0: Welcome to Sojourner Truth. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. Today on Sojourner Truth, we bring you part four of our series that bring you voices from the platform of the mass Poor People's and Low Wage Workers Assembly and Moral March on Washington and to the polls. The event was organized by the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival and it took place in Washington, D.C. on June 18, 2022. The Poor People's Campaign was first called for by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King in 1968, and has now been revived by Reverend Dr. William Barber II and the Reverend Liz Theo Harris. The Poor People's Campaign demands that the 140 million poor and low-income people in the United States from every race, creed, color, sexuality, and place are no longer ignored, dismissed, or pushed to the margins of the political, economic, and social agenda. At the June 18, 2022 event, people directly impacted shared their stories involving the failure to respond to our present climate crisis, the restrictions on voting rights, especially among impoverished communities, workers' rights, the need for health care and living wages for all, and the day-to-day struggle of not having enough money to survive. This, before tens of thousands of people assembled in Washington, D.C., and many more online. The assembly brought together a range of generations of people, youth and elders, people from diverse backgrounds, poor and low wealth people, faith communities, union leaders, and rank and file partner and anchor organizations, declaring their ongoing commitment to a moral movement to fully address poverty and low wealth from the bottom up. Today on Sojourner Truth, we're happy to bring you part four, the final episode in our series of the voices from the platform of the mass poor peoples and low-wage workers assembly and moral march on Washington and to the polls. In part four of our coverage, you will hear from a variety of speakers, including the Reverend William Barber II, co-chair or joint chair of the Poor People's Campaign, professor and philosopher, Dr. Cornel West, healthcare reform organizers, faith leaders, former Vice President Al Gore, along with other people taking action to address the present climate crisis. You will hear testimonies from poor and low wealth people resiliently surviving gun violence, generational poverty, underfunded public education, mass incarceration, and the repercussions of war, all in the midst of their continued fight for justice, for fair wages, and services for their work.
1: I'm Max Pringle with these headlines. President Biden today wrapped up meetings with Palestinian leader Mahmoud Abbas in the West Bank. In a joint news conference with Abbas, Biden said he remains committed to a two-state solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict.
2: My commitment to that goal of a two-state solution has not changed in all these years. Two states along the 1967 lines were mutually agreed to swaps remain the best way to achieve uh, equal measure of security, prosperity, freedom, and democracy for the Palestinians as well as Israelis.
1: Biden heads to Saudi Arabia today for talks with Saudi leaders. The Biden administration announced today that Saudi Arabia has agreed to open its airspace to flights to and from Israel. The two countries don't have formal ties. Relations between Saudi Arabia and the U.S. have been strained recently following the 2018 killing by Saudi agents of U.S.-based Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Biden had promised to turn the country into a pariah during his campaign. British officials have issued an extreme heat warning for the U.K. this week. It's part of a heat wave that has hit much of Western Europe this week, causing wildfires and widespread disruption. Future Story News' John Beaver reports. The highest ever recorded temperature
2: of 38.7 degrees Celsius in England could be exceeded on Monday and Tuesday. The Met Office is warning of a widespread impact on people and infrastructure. In the hottest areas, there are expected to be health risks for the entire population, not just those more vulnerable to extreme heat, such as the elderly. There are also warnings of widespread disruption as the heat could impact travel infrastructure and essential services like power and water. Health services in the UK are braced for increased demand and people are being urged to stay hydrated and stay out of the sun. John Beaver reporting.
1: The House Judiciary Committee today is expected to take up legislation that would ban certain types of assault weapons. It was prompted by a string of recent high-profile mass shootings across the country, particularly shootings in Buffalo, New York, Uvalde, Texas, and Highland Park, Illinois. The legislation stands little chance of making it out of Congress. Sri Lanka's Prime Minister has been sworn in as its interim president until Parliament elects a successor to Gadabaya Rajapakshi, who resigned after mass protests over the country's economic collapse, forced him from office. Prime Minister Ranil Wickremesinghe was acting president since Rajapaksha fled the country Wednesday after angry protesters had stormed his official residence. The parliament speaker said today that lawmakers will convene to choose a new leader within seven days who will serve the remainder of Rajapaksha's term, which ends in 2024. Protesters have insisted that the prime minister also should step aside. A federal grand jury has indicted the Buffalo mass shooting suspect on federal hate crime and firearm charges. The U.S. Attorney's Office announced Thursday a federal grand jury returned a 27-count indictment charging 19-year-old Peyton Gendron of Conklin with 14 hate crimes and 14 firearm offenses in connection to the mass shooting on May 14th at Topps Grocery Store on Jefferson Avenue in Buffalo. Gendron targeted the store because it was in a predominantly black neighborhood. The indictment alleges that the suspect arrived at Tops and opened fire with an automatic rifle, killing 10 people, and injuring three others. The U.S. Attorney's Office said the charges carry a maximum penalty of life imprisonment or the death penalty. The suspect is currently in state custody pending state criminal charges. I'm Max Pringle. You're listening to Sojourner Truth on Pacifica Radio
0: those were our news headlines and now we go to part four our final episode in the series that brought you voices from the platform at the june 18th, 2022 mass poor people and low-wage workers assembly and moral march on washington and to the polls that the event was organized of course by the poor people's campaign a national call for moral revival
3: i'm jack gollum a teacher in Texas. This is a story about our students. Raise your hand if you think our students are heroes for bravely going to school each day. All right, I see a lot of hands. Our students are brave. They are brave because some of them can't be their true selves in school. They get bullied, they don't get the support they need. Students like mine are brave Because the second they walk in the door, their cultural knowledge, their language, is invalidated. For too many of our students, school is a place for survival, not success. Heroes, heroes choose to fight. Our students didn't choose. They didn't choose for standardized tests to label them as inferior they don't choose a school budget with no nurses or counselors. If they make it to college, they don't choose for debt to cripple them financially for years. On May 24th, 19 children in Uvalde didn't choose to die. On May 25th, I chose to lie. A student asked me, are we safe in school? And I said, yes. I looked them in the eye and told them I would protect them no matter what, knowing all the time that my body would not beat an AR-15. That's right. My students do choose to dream. They dream of creating art and starting local businesses and I kneel next to their desk and declare it's possible as if by saying it seriously, I can make it true. I'm willing to give my time, my money, my life, For my students if that is what it takes, but I am unwilling to tolerate a society where that is what it takes.
4: Give it up for my brother.
3: I won't keep lying and we won't be silent anymore. Would
4: somebody say with me, as we look at that brother, that teacher and say, our children shouldn't have to be brave. They should, only have to be children. they should only have to be children. Justin Pearson from Tennessee.
5: How y'all doing, Poor People's Campaign?
4: I am Justin
5: J. Pearson from Memphis, Tennessee. And I wish my grandmothers were at this beautiful gathering. I wish they'd be able to assemble here, but they're not. See, they, like many poor and low-well people, have died from the systemic injustices that have disrupted our communities for too long. Pollution, environmental racism, and injustice killed both of my grandmothers in their 60s. And now it is continuing to plague our communities. But they didn't die only as martyrs, they were witnesses to the possibilities of our country. Yes, sir. They were witnesses to a faith bishop that. The folks who built that capital who were enslaved had. They they were witnesses to a faith that we now carry forward. That they will try to crucify us. They will try to have systems that destroy us. They'll try to build pipelines through our communities. They'll try to poison our waters, but we know that there's resurrection possible. We know that there's a resurrection of people who care about the last, the lost, and the least possible. There's a resurrection of the 140 million happening, But not only that, they let me know that there was a divine intervention possible. It's a divine direction that they gave us, a divine direction that we have in our bodies. And that direction is this, is that the last, the lost, and the least will be first. It's a divine direction that says we will have clean air and clean water and clean soil. It's a divine direction that has the shouts of 140 million people saying we've got one way to go no matter where those who are against us stand against us or in front of us we've got one way to go no matter how much money they have no matter how many politicians are in their pockets we've got one way to go yes, and sir. that's forward together yeah. not one step back yeah forward
4: together yeah not one step back
6: Ohio.
7: My name is Rukaya Zafrab Doom and I'm the CEO and founder of the Musketeer Association representing the state of Ohio. I am here to speak against racism and greed. We must bring this injustice to a stop. Now I was born in a society that racism and fashions was the way of life. I was born in it. Not any education would be brought to us because we were a black skin. Not any healthcare. I know how the civil rights began. I was there. My family, my family chose to take the beat down, to take the torture, to take the absolute death in order to bring to light the inalienable rights belong to all of us and they would not be silent anymore. So on this day, I step forth. On this day, I represent those mentors who taught me how to speak this truth. We are human. We Uh, the flower garden of mankind. You will no longer take our blood or our children anymore. And I'm not going back there to those days and times, and I will not let any of you, so you vote them out. If they will not change this injustice, vote them out. All my spiritual people of this flower garden, stand up, lock arms, and say in one resounding voice, "One nose forward, together.
4: Forward together.
7: Step. Not one step back. Not one step back." <laughs> and that is why I am here for you to speak that truth and walk that walk. Thank you. <laughs>
4: Reverend
8: Gloria Jones from Maryland.
9: Praise God, everyone, and thank you for being here, and thank the Poor People's Campaign for allowing me to participate. My name is Pastor Gloria Jones Swearinga. I am a pulpit associate at my home church, which is Greater Abyssinia, 88 Lions Avenue, Newark, New Jersey, where the amazing Dr. Alan Potts is senior pastor. I'm here in behalf of of persons with disabilities, because I just learned the other day that the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, our passport to full inclusion is still an unfunded mandate. That law was legislated into being in July of 1990. And I don't mean to be rude, I don't mean to be disrespectful, I've got some friends on Capitol Hill. But both sides deserve a seat, a front row seat in the Hall of Shame for that level of neglect. Every year they celebrate Disability Day, but I never heard of celebrating nothing. I know what it's like to be made deliberately homeless That's right. and no disability ADA response in Prince George County. I know what it's like to be deliberately separated from a child because there was no ADA response. But I also know a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above and beyond anything that we can ask or think. And I know this is not the time to give up. It's the time to step up. Give it up. It's time to speak up. Give it up. It's the time to give it
10: up. Give it up. To
9: press forward. Press forward. Not one step back until the stupidity and deceitful distraction of celebrating nothing becomes full implementation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. It is time to press forward, not taking one step back until until implementation Persons with disabilities finally Amen. take our place on level ground in the society that we help build. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless America.
4: Thank you so much. And it is all connected together. Now, brother, who is always making it plain, the Reverend Mark Thompson is coming now to introduce somebody who just has experienced pain of racial violence. But then he wanted his voice to be here. Tamika Mallory was supposed to be here and she couldn't because she got sick. But this is a family member of someone who was shot because of racism and because people in this country, far too many, love their guns more than they love God's people. Mark is gonna bring him up. Then Mark afterwards is gonna talk about the connection between
6: reparations. When Dr. King called for the Poor People's Campaign, he described America's triple E: Poverty, racism, and militarism. In Buffalo, we saw each of these evils manifest in one place at one time. Evil number one, poverty was manifest in Buffalo and that the Topps grocery store inhabits a food desert. It's the only place where people can buy groceries. Evil number two, racism was manifest in Buffalo and that the shooter was a disciple of the white supremacist great replacement theory he went to a grocery store in a black neighborhood for the express purpose of killing black people. And evil number three, militarism was manifest in Buffalo. And that since the Vietnam War that Dr. King decried, America has become the international capital of militarism and gun violence and militaristic assault weapons, AR-15s, like the one the Buffalo shooter used. These Assault weapons have become the rule rather than the exception. The eldest in that store was 86-year-old Queen Mother Ruth E. Whitfield. Her sons are here, Brother Raymond is here, but her son, Brother Garnell, we will hear him now. My
2: name is Garnell Whitfield. I'm here with my brother Raymond to lend our voice to the fight against poverty, social injustice, and racism in America. We're from Buffalo, New York, where a little over a month ago, Our 86-year-old mother, Mrs. Ruth Whitfield, who was just leaving the nursing home caring for her soulmate of 68 years, our father stopped to pick up a few groceries on the way home and was shot down like an animal, along with nine other pillars of our community, murdered by an 18-year-old who believed in the lies of white supremacy and race replacement. Now, we know for a fact that it was him that pulled the trigger. But we also know that corrupt systems and evil people in high places loaded the gun and his empty head. We want to thank uh, Reverend Bob for his leadership in this fight for social justice and the uplifting of the more than 140 million Americans that are living in poverty today. And for his visionary approach of inclusiveness as a strategy to deal with these issues. You see, poverty and the lack of resources and opportunity in Buffalo is what led this murderer to our community That's in right. the first place. That's right. In his 180-page manifesto, he talked about how because there was only one supermarket in our community and because of that, he knew it would always be well-populated with blacks who had no other options to buy fresh fruit, vegetables, and other healthy foods that he would have this opportunity there. The very fact that our community is a food desert lent itself to being a target. So the racism and bigotry that is systemic in our society helped to create and sustain the poverty which made our mother and community a target. And we're here today to say enough is enough. Enough
4: is enough. Enough is enough, brother.
2: Enough is enough. We waited too long for their better angels to treat us as human beings, deserving of equal access and opportunity in health care, education, employment, and the rest of the so-called American dream, which, for us poor people, is an American nightmare. As a Christian, we were raised as Christians by our parents. I'm reminded of the Beatitudes, you know, which are part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those that mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, persecuted, falsely accused and insulted for his name's sake, for they shall be rewarded. But what I'm taking from this is this. It's time for us to stop being passive Christians. That's we got to get that's up. It, that's it, bro. We got to get off of those comfortable pews. That's it. We got to get out of these churches. That's it. We got to get out here. and We got to advocate for the least of these. That's my understanding of the word of God. Prayer is not a noun. It's a verb. It requires you to get up after you pray and walk the walk. Talk the talk. We're here today to lend our voice to this effort. We're thankful for the opportunity. We're thankful for your prayers, but we need more than your prayers. That's
6: right. That's we need
2: right. action. God bless you.
6: Mr. Barber has asked me to talk about the legislation HR 40 reparations, which is a bill in Congress. Amen. With 215 members supporting, you may have heard of it, it would establish a commission to study reparations proposals to address transgenerational poverty and the transgenerational loss of opportunity in the African American community. From the period of enslavement through the ongoing vestiges of enslavement, Jim Crow, lynchings, land loss, segregation, voter suppression, mass incarceration, police violence, gun violence, and loss of livable income. Why should a multiracial coalition support reparation is because black unemployment is perpetually twice that of white. It would take, according to United We Dream, Shaley, 581 years for African Americans to reach income parity with whites. It would take until 2099 to reach parity in median wealth. It would take 150 years to close the black-white poverty wealth gap, and it would take 1,000 664 years, 55 generations to end the home ownership gap. Why should a multiracial coalition support HR 40? That's right. Because as long as this country is allowed to establish a floor for African-American poverty that is so low, it lowers the ceiling for us all. The lower the floor, the lower the ceiling, and the measures that establish the white middle class are now obsolete. That's why most of the white middle class is at best, like all of us here, the working poor. Thank you. The my longer brother. it takes to close the racial poverty gap, the longer it will to create a rising tide to lift all boats out of overall poverty. We ask you to contact your members of Congress to ask them to support HR forty. Yes. And I'm gonna do like yeah. Oprah, I'm gonna give you give you give something away. After today, go by sixteenth and constitution to our red, black, and green reparations garden, where Dr. Barber picked up flowers to take home to honor his father who fought for reparations. Pick up your flowers to take home. Red, black, and green flowers. Support HR 40. Yes, sir. Go to hr40song.com slash reparations now. Download our new song, too, by our brother Nabil. God bless you. HR 40, reparations now. HR 40, 40. we won't back down. HR 40,
4: reparations now. HR 40, 40, we won't back back down. down. And in this movement, we add to that we believe that our Native American brothers and sisters ought to have reparations too. And anybody that's been hurt in this society, bring them up, Liz. All right, we got
8: next, Dante Sharp.
4: Dante Sharp, tell him your story. Give him your best Gettysburg address. I did 26 years in prison for a murder I didn't do in North Carolina. That's all I'm gonna tell you about me. I'm not speaking to that power, but I'm speaking to y'all, because y'all the power. Everybody out here the power. That's what I see every time I come to one of these. I'm telling y'all, I just wanna let y'all know how it is in prison for real, from an innocent man beautiful that did 26 years. We stacked on top of each other, housed like animals, health care, mental health tr- atrocious, It's garbage. All I ask y'all to do is get out there and vote and and get those judges and district attorney out of office because that's what kept me in office. But since I've been home, all I want to do and all I've been doing is speaking through forward justice and with Reverend Barber and the Poor People Campaign trying to use my voice to set these guys free because they're not animals in prison. All human beings. I don't care what they did, how long they got. At the end of the day, we are all still human beings. And God bless y'all and I thank y'all for having me here. When I visited Dante Sharp in prison, he told me the day he got out, he would start fighting to change. He was in jail longer than when they first uh, arrested him at 19 and lied on him, and he's a fighter. Give it up! And we wanna go a little deeper. We got a professor, my sister from Yale, to talk to us about how deep this really is and why we must make this a part of any fight that is serious about addressing poverty and low wealth.
11: Good afternoon, my name is Tracy Mears, and I'm here to make a simple point. Mass incarceration creates and deepens poverty and dampens our power to make policies to ensure that everyone has a right to live. Two million people are held in this country's jails and prisons, hundreds of thousands before they have even been convicted of any crime. 60,000 youths under the age of 18 are incarcerated. 2.7 million children have at least one incarcerated parent. And people who are incarcerated are 10 times more likely to experience homelessness. They're less educated. They attain GEDs and high school degrees rather than college degrees. And we know these credentials are critical for jobs that pay living wages and access to health care. For those who are incarcerated, the prison health system is often the first time in their lives they receive any kind of treatment for chronic conditions such as diabetes or asthma. All of us should have access to the goods of citizenship, education, health care, housing, clean water. And we all as citizens should have the opportunity to embrace the love and energy that people like Mr. Sharp, my new friend, Denise, and my former neighbor, Winfred Rembert. please read his Pulitzer Prize winning memoir. We should have the opportunity to have them contribute to our communities. Every person in our community must be able to play a role to make the change we need. Thank you. So, everybody,
4: everybody. Must, play role must play a role to make the change,
9: make the change. we need. Indeed. Professor,
4: right. this is your army now. Yeah. This is the army for the footnotes that you produce. All
12: right. Next person. All right, our next two speakers are Reverend Cheryl Moore and Sydney Saxon, representing our youth.
13: I'm Pastor Cheryl Moore of Zion Temple United Church of Christ in Durham, North Carolina. The indomitable Marion Wright Elderman once said, and I quote, if we don't stand up for children, then we don't stand for much at all. Well, America, we are here today to stand up for our children. We are here to stand up for the nearly 20% of our children who live in poverty in our country. of all African-American children, 23% of all Native American children, and 22% of all Hispanic children, and 8% of all white children live in poverty in our country. America, you promised that no child would be left behind. Yet poverty is the primary reason for educational disparities in equitable resources in our communities. We are here to stand up for children from low income and no income households who struggle to keep up because America has let them down. We are here to stand up for children who have difficulties feeding their minds because they're trying to figure out how to feed their bodies. Children who have the right but have to stand up against too many wrongs. Children who have the smart children. but don't have the substance. Children who have deserve a piece of heaven but are living in sheer hell right now. America, if we don't stand up for our children, then we don't stand up for much at all. And standing up. with us today is 15-year-old Sydney
4: Saxon. Come on, Sydney. Give it up for this young sister. Give it up for her.
14: In his I have a dream speech, Dr. King said, Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. I'm tired of the clear funding divide we can see when we visit other schools, and I'm tired of having to teach some of my friends because their school's cut kind it of out of the curriculum. America loves to talk about how children are the future and use children as examples when they want to fight for change, but they still have us begging for change. I'm tired of begging for fair treatment in this great country. I'm tired of begging for my life in active shooter drills. Aren't we tired of the thoughts and prayers that you gave my mother's generation when Columbine happened? Then why are we still giving them to my generation? I wonder when America is going to get their own stimulus check to give kids the funding they deserve. Our up. children are not our future. They are our right now. So stand up right
13: now. Stand up
4: right now. Stand, stand up right now. Stand up. stand up right now. And we wanted to know that while we challenge. Every rogue, every police system that would kill people, we have people in our community that are five women and five men and police women and policemen who try to do the right thing. Many of them don't even make a living wage and are put to suffer without health care. Representing that is Reverend Dr. Della Owens to tell a story and to call this nation to listen.
14: Having worked as a city employee with the North Carolina, you're not considered vested until after working five years with the agency. And as serving as a police officer, after two years, I was diagnosed with systemic lupus, which makes it difficult to continue your medical insurance without paying in a very high cost because Eesh. of premiums. Because of my illness, I was transferred to a civilian position losing my police commission, which meant that I could not receive full benefits when I retired from the department. I was denied disability, which can force some people to live from check to check. This should never be a threat or a worry to anyone. And as police and as first responders are protecting our citizens, we must demand that our government protect all citizens by providing universal health care for the
4: We're going to have all the women and all the brothers working together fighting for change. And I didn't realize that one of the great civil rights leaders of our time and lawyers, Al McShirley, is standing on the stage. He helped lead the effort to beat back voter suppression in North Carolina and with his daughter, would y'all just stand with Virginia Solomon and wave at him and let him know you're here. He has been believing, he was with Dr. King, he was fighting in Kentucky, and we love him as a senior in our midst. Do you notice how we all are standing together? How the states are all mixed up? This is what moral fusion politics looks like, and this is what can transform the power base in this country. While you all are standing here, Al Gore no longer a president or vice president or politician, but fighting to make us understand the connection between ecological devastation and voting rights and poverty. He couldn't be here in person, but he sent a message to say that climate reality and all of the climate groups in this country are uniting together so that we can fight racism, poverty, ecological devastation, denial of health care, and the war economy as one people.
15: Thank you, Reverend Barber, my dear friend, for your outstanding and inspiring leadership and for inviting me to speak today. It is a privilege and an incredible honor to join with all of you in this righteous cause. I want to express my deep gratitude to all of those who have shared their words with us here today. The people who are hurt first and worst by pollution and by the increasing climate-related extreme weather events have a distinct moral authority to speak to the urgency of the crisis we face. In the truths they share, we hear and understand that the issues of systemic racism, wealth inequality, environmental degradation, the scourge of bigotry and of violence, and the devastating impacts of the climate crisis do not merely intersect at a singular point. They are layers of injustice that build upon one another brick by brick to form a wall that separates the voices of the poor and of black, brown, and indigenous communities from the platforms of policymaking. If we treat these evils as distinct and isolated from one another, they will continue to undermine our solutions, seeping into this work like toxins poisoning our progress. Instead, we must join together to lift up the voices of the poor and of those who are on the front lines of the climate crisis over this wall of injustice. We must ensure that these voices ring out in the streets of our communities. We must ensure they ring out in city halls, county commissions, and state legislatures. We must ensure they ring out here in Washington, D.C., in the halls of our great democracy, where they should reverberate so loudly that our elected officials have no choice but to listen. And I would be remiss if I failed to note that in order to ensure that all voices continue to hold their power in our democracy, we must stand firm against attacks on voting rights and join together against efforts to purge people from the polls. Just as our challenges are cemented to one another, so too are we bound together in fighting for their solutions. Indeed, there can be no climate justice without racial justice. And without economic opportunity, there is no just transition. It is only by joining together the same course that we will be able to achieve lasting change. Thank you. I
8: love Bishop Barber, let me tell you. Today, this is a power revolution. Yeah. Say it with me, this is a power revolution. Rooted in love. And we are here putting our elected officials and those running for office on notice. Don't ask for our vote if you are not going to legislate on behalf of marginalized people. Don't tell us you support voting rights if you aren't passing legislation to protect and expand the ballot. Don't tell us you support a woman's right to choose, but you aren't willing to codify Roe v. Wade into law. Don't tell us you believe every person deserves equality health care, but you aren't fighting to make that a reality. Don't talk about a $15 hour minimum wage. Legislate an increase to the minimum wage. We are here to say we are no longer asking. We are telling and we shall not be moved. We will not stay silent anymore. Peace, love, and power.
0: We're going to take a short station break. When we return, we continue with voices from the platform, from the Mass Poor People's and Low Wage Workers Assembly and Moral March on Washington and to the polls that took place in Washington, D.C. on June 18, 2022.
10: Hi, this is Gloria Steinem. This is Joni Mitchell. This is Brother Cornel West, and you are listening to Sojourner Truth with host, my dear sister, Margaret Prescott.
0: Welcome back to Sojourner Truth. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. If you've missed any part of this hour from 10 this morning, you can check out our website at sotrueradio.org. If you're a member of Facebook, you can look for us and like us there. Our handle on Twitter and Instagram, at Radio. We're also nationwide and worldwide on SoundCloud. And today, we'd like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners in Detroit, Michigan. And internationally, we would like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners, to my home island of Barbados. We now turn our attention back to the last in our series. It's part four in the series, bringing you voices from the platform of the June 18th, 2022, Mass Poor People's and Low Wage Workers Assembly and Moral March on Washington and to the polls, the event organized by the Poor People's Campaign, A National Call for Moral Revival. Let
10: the word go forth here and now. No matter what color, no matter what gender, no matter what sexual orientation, no matter what religious identity, we decide to love, and when you love folk, you hate the fact that they're treated unjustly, you loathe the fact they're treated unfairly, and if you don't do something, the rocks are gonna shout out, and the sun is gonna shine, and the clouds are gonna move. I want to thank my dear brother William Barr. I want to thank my dear sister Elizabeth Thea Harris for allowing God to use them in such a way that they are in the language of John Coltrane a force for good with a love supreme that embraces each and every one of us. And when you hear these voices and I come from a people, a great people, a black people, who in the face of 400 years of chronic hatred keep dishing out love warriors every generation. So that the spirit of Frederick Douglass and the spirit of Sojourner Truth and the spirit of Fannie Lou Hamer and the spirit of Malcolm X and the spirit of Marcus Garvey say, these black folk gonna love themselves. And if we have the spiritual maturity It's going to spill over From the chocolate part of town To the vanilla part of town Oh yes It's going to spill over Our precious indigenous brothers and sisters Whose land was stolen As a precondition of the democracy It's going to spill over to Spanish speaking It's going to spill over to Asian. It's going to embrace everybody But let us be very clear That this poor people's campaign was rooted in the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. and Fannie Lou, Hamer and James Lawson and Diane, Nash in the 1960s, where we tried to break the back of a barbaric Jim Crow and Jane Crow and American apartheid with the lynching on the one hand and the discrimination and degradation on the other. And what that means, that we say to America, not just the Congress, we say to the White House, we say to the Pentagon, we say to the neo-fascists in the Republican Party, we say to the milquetoast neo-liberals in the Democratic Party that we got a standard bigger than your politics. Somewhere I read, God is not mocked. You're going to reap what you sow. And Malcolm X reminded us chickens will come home to roost. And so when you hear the magnificent voices of such dignity in all parts of the country, and we are international, we're in solidarity with oppressed people in Africa, in Asia, in the Middle East, in Latin America. How come? Well, I'll tell you why I am, because I'm a product of Shiloh Baptist Church, just like my brother's a product of the black church. It's, I was told in vacation Bible school that if the kingdom of God is within you, then everywhere you go, you ought to leave a little heaven behind. And when you leave some heaven behind in a hellish world of organized greed and institutionalized hatred and routinized fear and overwhelming hypocrisy, you're going to have to be in the world but not of it. And so what we constitute is precisely that attempt to be in this empire, but not of it. We have moral and spiritual greatness that behooves us. That's why we're here. And let us never forget the rich humanity of the voices that we heard. That would straighten our backs up. And Brother Martin used to say anytime, everyday people in the language of Slash Stone, anytime ordinary people in the language of James Cleveland, straighten their backs up, you're going somewhere, cause folk can't ride your back unless it's bent. Let us forever move forward together and never ever, not one, not two, no step back. Thank you for both of the work that they have done. Let us work together, struggle together, go down together, and in the language of Duke Ellington, we go down swinging, because it don't mean a thing if it ain't got their love swinging. Somebody
4: shout, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got a swing. Swing some love, swing some truth, swing some justice, and keep on swinging till we knock racism out, and poverty out, and genocide out. Look at your neighbors and neighbor. keep on swinging
9: forward together. Not
16: once, not once. told you enough, but you're all beautiful and thank you for being here with me. My name is Jessica Roloff and I'm here for my mother and every other parent who goes to sleep at night uh, crying because they can't provide for their children. I grew up on a dairy farm and the federal farm policies of the 1980s changed everything. My family and our neighbors were forced out because the system gives preference to large and corporate farm owners. My mother went from being an owner-operator to a low-wage worker in a meatpacking plant with unsafe working conditions. When she gave birth to my brother, she was expected to get back on the line within three days. She spent the last half of her life working overnights in the ER. The work was hard, but she had a union. The City Council has now sold the hospital to a private entity, eliminating the union. Finally in 2020 my mother died during the pandemic Who makes decisions matters? That's right. We are rural but live at the intersection of the world. We are indigenous people and immigrants from Mexico and Central America We're refugees from Somalia and Myanmar and fourth generation American immigrants like me and people are trying to amass power by getting us to distrust, fear and hate one another. That's right. And I say we can live in optimism or we can die in despair. And voting won't fix everything, but we're in the fight for our lives. And we need every tool available. And I need you to find people who you share pains and hopes with and I need you to vote together. Not just in major elections, but I need you there in every That's election. Right. And we're gonna do this because we still believe in the power to move this country forward.
4: Give it up for my we're dear sister. We're gonna
16: move forward. Come and we're on. not gonna take one step back. Not one I step. I love you, mom.
4: I want you all to look at this picture on this stage because this is the kind of coalition that can fundamentally change. That's why they work so hard to keep us from one another. Dr. King said in 1965, that the great fear of the aristocracy in this country would be for the masses of poor Negroes and the masses of poor white folk to come together and build a political voting block that could change the economic architecture of the country. Well, today, if we can get white farmers together with black folk and Latinos, Liz, invite somebody to the mic now to tell us what kind of power we really
12: have want to call on the policy director of the poor people's campaign a national call for moral revival shali gupta barn these testimonies we've been hearing all morning they are more than just stories they are the basis of a moral political and economic agenda that can unite 140 million people in this country 40 percent of the country to take action together across race across gender and sexual orientation, across faith in every region, state, and county, and every line that's ever been used to divide this powerful political force. And it is powerful, because these 140 poor and low-income people account for one-third one-third of the electorate
4: say that again
12: one-third one out of every three voters in this country has a stake in an agenda that centers poor and low-income people we call this a third reconstruction agenda and if one-third of the electorate was organized around it we could change everything our maps our priorities and we could revive the heart and soul of this democracy so it is up to us it is up to this campaign and anyone who is suffering from injustice and knows that this does not have to be, who knows that we are all deserving of the best and most of this country, yes. no matter what we look like, where we live, who we love, what language we speak, it is up to us to organize and mobilize this new and unsettling force of poor and low income people and poor and low income voters to the polls. That's right. For those of you who may not know this campaign net yet, you will, because we will be in the streets, at the legislature, in the courts, and at the ballot box. This is our promise. We won't be silent anymore. Our deadline is victory.
4: Is it not true that in 15 states, if poor and low wealth people would just vote, between 1% and 25% higher than they did in 2020. They could determine every election from the State House to the Congress they to can. the White House. They can. And they will. How many of you will join us after this to organize and knock on doors and demand that people hear our agenda? Stop your neighbor, say, neighbor. don't sit on the power that we have Now say it loud, the stones that the builders have rejected now have the power to be the chief cornerstone in building a third reconstruction. And this is the day that the Lord has
0: of time. I'd like to thank assistant producer Alicia Vargas. I'd like to thank the board app for today. If you'd like a copy of today's show, please contact the Pacifica Radio Archives at 1-800-735-0230 or go online to PacificaRadioArchives.org. Sojourner Truth will be back on the air on Tuesday. I hope you get to do something really nice this weekend. And remember y'all, please stay well and safe. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. Thank you so much for listening.